0: Matthew chapter 18, we pick up the study in verse 15. And Jesus says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear, tell it to the church, but if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you, (coughs) excuse me, like a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, for if two or uh, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that you ask, It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Excuse me. If you're visiting with us this morning, I want to welcome you. Thank you for uh, taking the time to come and worship with us. You know, we've been taking this deep dive into the gospel of Matthew. And last week, we looked at Matthew 18 uh, verses 1 through 14, and we saw Jesus warning people about uh, you know warning those that would stumble or offend any one of his kids. And now this week, what we're going to look at is how we're to handle how we're to handle those offenses when they come our way. And the verses that we're looking at today, verses uh, 15 through 20, really have two applications. Okay, the first relates to church discipline. Uh, It outlines for us the way the church is to deal with a person who's, um, you know, involved in sin, a person who's been caught up in uh, living a lifestyle of sin. But this morning, I don't really want to focus on that part of the uh, application of these verses. This morning, I want to look at the second of the two applications. And that's how, as believers, We're to respond to a brother or sister who, um, you know, is involved in sin, you know, a brother and sister who has, um, you know, sinned against us, okay? It seems to me, I was out of the country for a long time, you guys know we lived abroad for a long time, it seems to me that there used to be a time when every car had a bumper sticker you know, and it doesn't really seem to be a thing anymore, but you can remember when people expressed their thoughts, their feelings, and their philosophies, they condensed it down to five to 15 words, and then stuck it on the bumper of their car, Um, you know, and you might remember the bumper sticker that said, Christians aren't perfect, they're just what? Forgiven, yeah, you know, It's something that we need to to remember. Something that we need to remember, especially in this day and age when there's so much division in our culture and actually so much division even within the church. Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. You know, a lot of times when people come into the church, somehow they get the idea that God expects uh, them to be perfect. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. And if you're looking for a perfect church this morning, uh, let me tell you, you're in the wrong place. This isn't, this isn't uh, the perfect church. And this pastor is far from perfect. And, uh, you know, I admit it. Uh, it's true. You know, I don't want that to be a spoiler for anybody, but that's just the way it is. If you have your eyes on me, If you expect me to have all the answers or you expect me to make the perfect decisions, I'm gonna let you down. I'm just gonna let you down, right? My advice to you is if you're searching for the perfect search and you come, a perfect church, and you come across that perfect church in your search, don't go to it. Because when you start attending that church, you're gonna ruin it because you're not perfect either. You know, Christians aren't perfect. We're just forgiven, right? The reality is we're going to make mistakes as Christians, and we're going to let people down. You know? But God has made provision for us uh, when we make mistakes. Isn't it great to know that as we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our, uh, uh, forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all uh, unrighteousness. I mean, that's that's just a blessing to have that in our mind. And every Sunday when we come to the communion table, it's a reminder that God has made provision for us, right? His body, his blood, he's made provision for us. And we're proclaiming his death until uh, he comes again. And we not need to understand, and it's true, we need to understand we all want to be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, none of us wants to sin against uh, a brother or a sister. But unfortunately, you know, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail one another. We're going to let others down. And we're going to sin one against another. We're going to just do that. You know, I heard this poem once. Maybe you heard it too. (coughs) He goes like this, to live above with saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to live below with those we know, that's another story. (laughs) You know, and I I think that poem is so true. I think it accurately expresses the thoughts and feelings of many people in the church. And this morning, we're going to look at a couple different scenarios that have to do with the saints we know. The first one's found here, Matthew 18, 15 through 20. And verse 15 says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Now, you might want to underline, go and tell, okay? But before you go and tell, I think it's safe to say that first you need to wait and pray. You need to wait upon the Lord. Before you go and tell, before you go and confront, you know, first you need to wait and pray. And I think it's contextually safe to say, based on, you know, our study of the Gospel of Matthew up to this point, and based, uh, you know, on this chapter alone, you know, uh, before you go to your brother you first need to forgive him, right? You might recall the Lord's Prayer. You know, we studied it in depth back in Matthew 6. And uh, you know the prayer. uh, Most likely, you all can recite it by heart. You know, it's uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be uh, your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? And right after that, Jesus said these startling words found in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. And they confuse uh, theologians. But nonetheless, Jesus said them. They're in your Bible. Jesus said, <clears throat> for if you forgive men their trespasses, Right? Uh, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father, uh, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know what? In other words, uh, Jesus is saying, if you don't forgive your brother their sins, their trespasses, their failures, their faults, then your heavenly Father is not going to forgive you either. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to look at the story Jesus tells of a king who um, forgave his servant just this incredible amount of money, just an unbelievable and unimaginable uh, debt. And then that servant went out after being forgiven, and uh, he wouldn't forgive a fellow servant that owed him a very small amount of money. And the lesson is so clear. God has forgiven each of us so much now God expects us to forgive others. If we've received God's love, if we've received his com- uh, kindness, his mercy, and his grace, then certainly we should extend them to others. It's the proof that we've tasted and we're recipients of God's kindness and compassion. It's the proof of that the, that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in our hearts, right? God requires us to forgive others. You can forgive, but pastor, you don't know what I've been through. It doesn't matter. You can forgive, right? God's commandments are his enablements. God, I forgive. Help my unforgiveness. You know, if you don't forgive that bitterness that will rise up, um, you know, uh, in your heart, you know, it's going to, eat you away. It's going to destroy you. And the Bible says that we're to beware of any root of bitterness being established in our lives. It will consume you and it will destroy you. So before you go and tell, I think you need to wait and pray and allow the Lord to work in your heart, to work forgiveness for your brother in your heart. Also, Ephesians 4 tells us that when you go to your brother uh, and speak to him, you need need to speak the truth in love, right? You need to speak in love, you know? If you speak in love without the truth, it's just hypocrisy. If you don't wait upon the Lord and uh, you go into uh, the situation and you present your story the way you see it, And the way you remember it, so it kind of leans towards your position a little more. That's hypocrisy. You need to wait on the Lord so he can remind you what the truth was. So that you can go in and present uh, the true, the accurate scenario uh, if your brother sinned against you. And to go into your brother and present the truth without love, I mean, that's just brutality, right? Right? God wants us to go to our brother. He wants you to go to your brother in love, to speak the truth to your brother in love. Now, I think there's something else uh, you need to do as you're getting ready to, to tell the truth to your brother. You need to realize the purpose of going to your brother. And it's found in the last sentence of verse 15. Jesus said, if he hears you, You have gained your brother. You know what? We need to get it straight in our minds. The whole purpose of of going to uh, our brother is so that he might hear you. And then secondly, so that you might gain him as a brother, right? This is where most people fail in trying to follow uh, these scriptural instructions. They go to their brother and they just unload on him. And they, you know, uh, they just let them have a piece of their mind. You know, they present their case. They let off a little steam. You know, they get rid of a little frustration. And they go with the wrong purpose. The whole purpose of going to your brother is so that you might, um, so that he might hear you and so that you might gain him as a brother. So that the two of you would be reconciled. And you're not to go to him until you're able to go with that purpose in your heart. You're going to gain your brother. You've already forgiven him in your heart as Christ has forgiven you. And you're going to give to extend that forgiveness to him, right? You're going to reveal that forgiveness to him, you know? Now, with that heart, now you can go to him And reveal to him what he's done that was an offense or a sin. So that you can help him grow. And so that you can gain him as a brother. But you're not to go to him until you go with that heart. And notice also there Jesus says, go and tell him his faults between you and him alone. It's very clear instruction. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And again, you just might want to underline that, right? What's the mistake that people commonly make here? You know what we do? We go to our friends. You know, we go to our spouses. We go get counsel. You know, we need to get counsel. And there's a place for counsel. We're going to talk about that in in just a minute. But when your brother sins against you, right? You're not to go and get counsel is the first step. That's not what the Bible says. You're to go to him alone. You know, I'm just gonna go to my three best friends and ask them to pray for me before I, before I go and approach my brother. No, that's not what we're supposed to do, right? You're to go to him and him alone. If you need counsel, then wait and pray and seek the Lord Uh, yourself, right? If you need prayer, then pray and seek the Lord yourself. Then you go to your brother alone. The whole reason for this is we're instructed in Scripture to cover one another's sins. We're not to expose one another's sins. We're instructed in Scripture to love one another, to build each other up, um, not to poison each other about each other. And that's what happens when we're talking to each other before we go to a brother. Proverbs 17, 9, it's an interesting scripture. It's one that's worth memorizing. It says, he who covers a transgression seeks what? Seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates friends. I mean, this is such a powerful verse if we'll just let it sink into our hearts, right? He who covers a transgression is seeking love, but he who repeats a matter can separate even the best of friends. We're to cover one another. We're to build each other up. That's the Lord's heart for us as Christians. Now, you know what? Uh, look at Proverbs ten twelve. It says, hatred stirs up strife. You know, it's hatred... And the heart that stirs up strife. Hatred stirs up strife, but love what? But love covers a multi or covers all sin. You know, this is something we need to be so careful about. You know, we need to be careful that we're not sowing strife among our brothers, sowing strife in the minds of others. When people come to me and say, You know, this guy did this to me. You know, usually my response is, you know, I don't want to hear it. Did you go to them first? You know, if you didn't go to them first, I don't want to hear it. Not until you've gone to them first and try to work it out with them in love. And that should be your response too. We need to be careful not to be sowing strife, not to be sowing discord among the body. We need to be careful that we don't poison the wells of other people, right? Have you ever seen a termite? You know, I mean, the termites are so little. Do we have termites up here? Too cold for them? We got them. Yeah. Have you ever seen them? I hope you've never seen one in your house. But you know what? I guess if you're a termite of the opposite sex or if you're an entomologist, you know, you might find those little guys cute or attractive maybe. I don't know. I find them a little bit ugly, a little bit disgusting, But you know, those tiny little termites can destroy an entire building. And you know what? Internal discord can destroy the entire building of the living God. You know what? Internal discord can destroy the church. And we need to be careful that we're not sowing discord. Proverbs 6 says, Six things the Lord hates, Yes, seven are abomination to him. And I encourage you, maybe later today, you might want to check out this list. It's Proverbs 6, uh, 16 through 19. The first thing on the list that God hates is a proud look. You know what? Haughty eyes, a proud person, God hates that. The seventh thing that God hates on that list, I shouldn't do that, I should do this. The seventh thing God hates on that list is one who sows discord among the brethren. You know, gossiping about each other, poisoning one another, God hates it. You know, if a brother or sister has sinned against you, go to him and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you've gained your brother rather than going to someone else, rather than going to another person for counsel, rather uh, than going to that group of people for prayer. You need to go to that person who's sinned against you who's offended you, who's hurt you, and you need to get alone with that brother or sister. You need to get alone with that fellow believer in Christ. And you need to go for the purpose of not to blast them with both both barrels, not to give them a piece of your mind, not to unload on them and give them a taste of their own medicine. No, the purpose is going to gain your brother. You know, I've had... (laughs) maybe hard for you to believe, I say tongue in cheek. But I've had issues with people and people have come to me and just unloaded on me. I mean, they just gave it to me right before, right between the eyes. And, uh, you know, they've left me beaten and battered and bruised, you know, and laying in the streets, so to speak, to bleed out, you know. And they might have thought that that's what the Bible says to do. But that's not what the Bible says to do. And that's not what we should do as Christians. The Bible says that we're to be patient with one another. That we're to be long-suffering towards one another. To think the best of each other. We're to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We're to love each other as Christ has loved us. You know, all too often we go to people and we just unload on them and then we leave them injured and deeply wounded by the the things that we've said. Instead, what we need to do is to go to them alone for the purpose of gaining them as a brother and say, hey, I love you and I forgive you. The whole purpose of going to that person is to reconcile with them and to gain them as a brother or sister in Christ. Verse 16, but if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witness, every word may be established. So if that person won't hear you, you know, they don't want to listen and they don't uh, want to be reconciled. I mean, you've prayed and you've sought the Lord and you've come to extend forgiveness. You came in love. You know, you didn't come uh, so you can present your case and just lay into them, you know? You came with the whole purpose of gaining them as a brother, but, you know, he he doesn't want to listen. She uh, wasn't concerned with how she hurt you or how she sinned against you, you know. Then there's scriptural support at this point to bring into the conversation a third party, one or two uh, more people. And just as a side note, when you go and ask those one or two more people to get involved, You know, they're to be independent observers of what uh, has been taking place. They're to be aware of that situation, right? You're not to go to others and tell them your side of the story, trying to tell them your point of view, trying to inform them, you know, what your brother did to you. You're not trying to sway their opinion so that they'll be on your side, that they'll back you up. No, when you choose those one or two other people, you need to remember, again, The whole purpose for bringing them into the conversation is to gain your brother, right? So you need to choose those people that are gonna help you achieve that goal. If someone asks you to get involved in a situation and help them, you know, you have to remember you're coming in to help gain that brother, to bring them, uh, bring about reconciliation, right? That's the main reason you're coming into the situation. And I think it's at this point that we want to look at the following verses. So drop down and and take a look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on anything concerning, uh, on earth, concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So this verse very clearly speaking about prayer. I mean, it's asking the Father in heaven right? It, it shows us here the necessity of prayer in this, in this um, thing that we're doing, right? You know, when you go and ask a third party to get involved, I mean, you guys really need to pray and seek the Lord uh, together in order to gain your brother. And then verse 20 says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them when we're going to our brother or sister in order to gain them, we need to remember that the Lord is in our midst, right? Where there's two, there's actually three. Where there's three, there's actually four. You know, we need to be acting and communicating in a manner that reveals that we know that the Lord is present with us. We need to be acting and communicating in such a way that it's pleasing to our Savior. And we need to be acting and communicating in a way that's consistent with his nature and his character. Otherwise, we're just in the flesh and it's wrong. Well, if you look back up at verse 16, it tells us that we're also to have the other two or three uh, with us in order that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. You know, a lot of times disagreements, squabbles, and hurt feelings, they come about because of misunderstandings, right? Well, he said this to me. She's accusing me of that. You know, that's why it's good to have these other people there for the purpose of witnessing what was said, so that later they can say, no, that's not what was said. The reason that he came to you was and uh, this is what was said. I was there. I heard it. Right? And again, the whole purpose is to gain your brother. Now, in verse 17, it says, And if he review- refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Well, what does that mean, tell it to the church? You know, does it mean that on a Sunday morning you're to come up front and just lay out for the entire congregation? how that brother offended you or how that uh, sister uh, sinned against you, you know? And There are some that interpret this verse that way, you know? Uh, there are those that believe that every situation where a brother or a sister has offended you or sinned against you, you know, should be brought before the congregation. And there are churches that actually do that. Well, hey, Gare, I mean, why don't we do that? Isn't that what it says? Actually, I'm afraid if if that's what we would do, that would be all that we would do. I mean, we would spend all our time together settling matters between people. And uh, it, it would take away from our time of prayer and spending time studying God's word and reading it and worshiping him. If we would present every issue before the congregation, we would just become this gigantic gossip session where all the dirty laundry would be aired before people that, one, didn't know about it in the first place, and two, don't need to know anything about it, right? I don't believe that that's God's intention behind this verse. Personally, I'm convinced that what this is talking about here is that it should be taken to the church leadership. And when you bring that matter to the leadership of the church, you know, you're to come, you're to have a, a humble heart, right? You need to be prepared for the leadership after listening to both sides to tell you that you're the one that's wrong, you know, in the situation. When the leadership of the church gets involved, again, the goal is to bring about reconciliation and to bring about correction, right? And if you're in the wrong, the church is to correct you. If the other party is in the wrong, the one that's sinned against you, the church is then to begin to reach out to that brother, right? And if that's the case, again, the whole process is intended to gain that brother and restore him to fellowship. And the verse continues, it says, But if he refuses even to hear the church let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. If they're not interested in having their sin corrected, you know, if their attitude is just, you know, you guys are just judging me, leave me alone, you know, mind your own business. You know, if they don't want anything to do with being reconciled, right? Then our Lord instructs us to let that person be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. Well, again, what does that mean, right? A lot of people read that, and their first response is, I'm done with you. You know what? I'm out of here. I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. Is that what Jesus is saying to do? You know, I don't think so, you know? Don't we want to see heathens and tax collectors come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Don't we want to see that person who's outside of Christ be one to Christ, you know, I'm pretty confident that Jesus wants to see those people saved. You know, I'm convinced that what this verse is saying is that we're to view that person as someone who needs to get right with the Lord. Maybe they're saved, maybe they're not. It doesn't doesn't appear like they're acting like somebody who's saved. So then we're to treat them like they're not saved. You know, you need to pray for them. You need to continue to reach out to them. You need to encourage them to give their life to Christ because they need Jesus. That's the way we treat heathens and tax collectors, right? You know, there are some that say, no, not me. You know, I don't want to meddle in somebody else's affairs. Uh, You know, I don't want to get involved in somebody else's business. You know, it's their life. They're accountable to God. You know, let let God deal with them. You know, and that may sound really scriptural to you. I don't know. What I do know is that's not scriptural. If your brother sins against you, the Lord wants you to go to him. It says in in the Proverbs, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. And the proverb goes on to say, faithful are the wounds of a friend. It's a real friend that would come to you and lovingly help you through uh, this fault. A true friend uh, would be there to help you grow through this. If, you're truly, if you truly love someone, then you're going to go to them and help them work through this problem. You know, in love, in gentleness, and in humility, seeking to gain that brother. And that's exactly what will happen. You'll gain that brother if you go to them with that attitude. And I can tell you, the people that I've reached out to and helped them uh, work through difficult issues, They love me. You know, I've gained them as a brother. They love me because I took the time to to talk to them. I took the time to reach out to them. And they'll love you too because uh, you care enough about them to want to see them grow. It's very clear when a person has waited and prayed and sought the Lord and has come to his brother in love and in humility with the goal of, restoration and reconciliation you know that brother's gonna be gained he's gonna uh, love you for it too because again you loved him enough to reach out to him now if someone reaches out to you in love remember faithful are the wounds of a friend the reason they're they're coming to you in gentleness and humility is because they love you you know the Bible says, Proverbs 12.1, it's one of the verses that, huh, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you make up your own mind. He who hates correction is stupid. Yeah, the Bible uses the S word. You know, you know there are many times I've been reproved. You know, I've, had, I've had friends lovingly and with true humility, you know, approach me to bring attention to a fault or a shortcoming of mine. And you know what? Because of that verse, I always try to consider it. Now, it doesn't matter how much it stings, how much it hurts. You know, I want to consider it because I don't want to be stupid. I don't want to be stupid. And we should always take a loving rebuke to the Lord in prayer and ask him, Lord, is it true? Is this a, Is this an issue in my life? Is it a problem? And if it is, you know what? Would you bring about the necessary uh, changes in my life? Well, let's look at another scenario. If you've been with us for a while, you know, we've already looked at this in depth, and uh, you know, this will be a refresher to you. But turn back to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to take a a look at Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. And this time, the scenario. Um, is if you remember a brother has something against you, and Jesus says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. In this case, you've come to worship the Lord right? You've you've come to the altar to lift your hands and to sing songs. You've come to study the word. And while there, you remember that there's a brother that has something against you. Or you remember a hurt or an offense that you caused them, a sin you committed against them. If the Lord brings it to your mind, you need to go to that person that you've offended. You know, you need to get things right with them. And you need to ask them to forgive you and to be reconciled with you, right? Then come and worship the Lord. You know, last Wednesday at Life Group, uh, you know, it came up how things we read in the Bible can often be viewed by us. as really more of a suggestion from the Lord uh, when in reality, it's actually a command. And I think that, you know, uh, this one might look like a suggestion to a lot of people, but it's not Jesus saying, you know, it might be a good idea, you know, to get that, go to your brother and get that thing, you know, settled between you two, you know, get it worked out, you know, I don't know, you know, do whatever you think. That's not what Jesus is saying. This is a command, right? And failing to follow this command is disobedience, plain and simple. You might remember learning in geometry, the the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. But when it comes to the Lord, that's not always the case, right? You can't go to him until you first go to that brother that has something against you. And then you come to the Lord. Maybe even this morning, the Lord is bringing uh, to your remembrance a person that you know that you've offended or or you've upset, you know? Uh, A situation where a brother or sister, where you know things aren't right between the two of you because of something that you did. You know what? May the Lord give you the grace, give you the ability to walk out of here this morning and go to them and make things right. Humble yourself. God gives, uh, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, the Bible says. Go to them if you know things aren't right between you and them, and make things right. You've all heard of Charles Dickens, you know, especially as we're entering into the Christmas time of year, Charles Dickens. You know, there was a time when Charles Dickens had this really huge blowout with one of his close friends, William Thackeray. And William Thackeray, he was an author also. William Thackeray wrote, Uh, Vanity Fair, along with some other classics. But as a result of this blowout that they had, they didn't speak to each other for several months. And several months later, they were both at a a social engagement, and William Thackeray saw Charles Dickens, and he just couldn't stand it any longer, right? He saw the coldness of Dickens. He saw the disgust. He saw the closed body language and the dismissive attitude. Well, William Thackeray, he went over to Charles Dickens and he grabbed both of his hands and said, let's put it behind us. I can't stand it any longer. And you know, Thackeray look into, looked into Dickens' eyes and embraced him. And the two men hugged there and asked each other to forgive them you know, and they put it all behind them. And then later, a friend of Charles Dickens wrote in his memoirs that four days later, after that event, William Thackeray had died. And he said in his memoirs that he would never forget Charles Dickens standing over that open grave, just weeping, saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for giving me the ability to reckon with my brother, before he was taken. You know, maybe this morning there's somebody that you haven't reconciled with. You know, go to them. Grab their hands and ask them to forgive you. Look them in the eyes and say, let's put it behind us. The Lord will give you the strength to do that. He will meet you. Especially if you have loved ones and family members that you're at odds at. I would lovingly encourage you to go to them, call them, whatever it takes to make amends to those relationships. You know, I want to point out uh, something else from this passage too. Um, You might want to notice it doesn't say, if you have something against your brother. It doesn't say, when you come to the altar and you remember you have something against your brother. No. What it says is, if if your brother has something against you. If you have something against your brother, you take that to the Lord. And I encourage you to do it sooner than later. Lord, you know what? He irritates me so much. Lord, she makes me so angry. They're so offensive. I, I can't stand to be around them. I don't want to have anything to do with them. Whatever it is, if you have something against your brother, Let the Lord deal with you in regards to it, right? In that case, you're not instructed to go to your brother. Jesus said, if your brother has something against you and you know it and you go to them, you know what? You take them by the hands and you look them in the eyes and you say, let's put this behind us. Will you please forgive me? Well, let's look at one last scenario. Turn your Bible over to Galatians, Galatians chapter six is what we'll be looking at. And we see there Galatians chapter six, verse one and two says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Here we're instructed how to deal with a brother or a sister, someone we know who's been overtaken in a trespass. You know, they're involved in something that's not right. They've been caught up in sin. Something's going on in their life and we become aware of it and it's wrong. In that case, We're to go to them in order to restore such a person. And you you need to notice, it says, those who are spiritual are to do that. Those who are praying, those who are reading their Bible, those who have, um, you know, an upright, a proper walk with the Lord. It says, those who are spiritual are to reach out to them and restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Now, there's a verse in James that kind of goes along with it. You might want to turn there and look at it. James, it's uh, the last couple of verses in the book of James. And it's, it goes along with that Galatians 6.1. It's James chapter 5, 9 through 20. And it says, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns them back, Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. We need to be lovingly watching out for those people that are wandering from the truth, right? Those who are straying. We need to be on the lookout for those who are in error, walking in the wrong direction. And we really need God's heart in this area. You know, I'm very concerned and it's, You know, a a repeated prayer in my life that we would be a church that's looking out for and reaching out to people who are falling through the cracks. You know, with all the things that have gone on in this church, boy, there are people that have fallen through the cracks. And those of you who are spiritual need to have eyes for those people for the ones that are straying from the truth, if you're looking out for them, God is going to use you mightily to lovingly reach out to them and restore them to fellowship. You know what? We need to ask the Lord to give us a heart for those that we know that have been overtaken in sin, right? Uh, That's the type of heart the Lord has. And, And that's what we looked at last week, you know? He left the 99 to go after one. We sang it about it this morning. God, give us that heart to see those who are straying from the Lord, those that we know, right? You know, we know their life uh, in their situation and they're wandering from the truth, heading in the wrong direction. They're overtaken in sin. God, give us the heart, right? God, give us the love to reach out to them. And you want to, Notice, if you flip back, I'm sorry, if you flip back to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says that we're to reach out to them in a spirit of gentleness, right? We're not to load up the shotgun and blast them and tell them, you know, all about their sin. You know, one thing about people who are in sin, they actually know it. You know what? They don't need me to tell, tell them they're in sin. They don't need you to tell them they're in sin. You know, and sometimes we feel that that's what we need to do. We need to go and tell them they're in sin. No, they know they're in sin, right? That's why they don't want to talk to you. But we need to go to them in a spirit of gentleness in order to restore them. And you may already know, the Greek word uh, translated there in Galatians 6, the word restore, it's a medical term, it means to mend, you know, you use this uh, term to speak of setting a broken bone, right, and those that are broken, those that are wandering, those that are straying, and those that are in air, we need to lovingly come alongside them in order to restore them, to help get them set, you know, back on the right path, it's like setting a broken bone, and then it's time for that broken bone. It takes time for that broken bone to heal. So we need to come alongside those people like a splint, right? We need to be there for them, to help them, uh, to be that godly um, support for them, you know, gently encouraging them, uh, nurturing them back to full strength. And I know that many of you that are in this fellowship are spiritual You know, many here, mature, godly men, godly women of faith, you know, who have a real desire to be used for the Lord to live their life for Jesus. You know what, I pray that God give you a heart for people that come into our fellowship. You know, people who come in here to see what we're all about. You know, people that you maybe know that need someone to reach out to them a friend, a neighbor, you know, a family member. Maybe this morning the Lord will lay on your heart someone who's wandering. You know what, may God give you a love for them so that when you leave today, you can begin to pray and start planning on how you're gonna reach out to them and see them set back on the right path. How you might come alongside of them and be that splint and that support for them and see them nurtured back to health, encouraging them to come to church, maybe calling them during the week and letting them know, you know, hey, I'm praying for you. You know, maybe connecting with them during the week, meeting them for coffee, nurturing them back to health until that bone is strong enough for them to stand on their own two feet, right? Talk about gaining a brother. You watch, you'll see. You know, the people that you reach out to like this you know what, God will use you mightily and they'll love you deeply, you know? So much so, you're going to be surprised if we'll just seek to love one another and look out for the welfare of others. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed and the faithful are the wounds of a friend. If you're a true friend, you'll go to those that you see that are wandering from the path. That's true love, right? True love doesn't stand by while people are going down, while people are circling the drain. That's not true love. True love reaches out to those who are falling through the cracks. Well, this morning, we've talked a lot about being reconciled one to another this morning. And my prayer is the Lord would give you, would give me wisdom. Maybe this morning you realize that there's someone that you've sinned against and you need to go to them. God, give you wisdom. God, give you wisdom. Maybe, you know, you're going to face a situation in the future where that will happen. Instead of just blasting them, pray and ask the Lord to give you wisdom and the right heart in order that you can go to them in love so that that brother can be gained to you. Right? Instead of just making the situation worse, acting in the flesh. Maybe you'll be asked by someone to come into, you know, to be part of a situation where there's been no reconciliation. A situation that you also are aware of, something that you've witnessed, and you're asked to come in as that third party. You know, may God give you the right heart to step into that situation. Maybe in the future, someone in the church Someone in this church or at work will come to you and say, did you know what that guy did? Did you hear what that sister said to me? You know what? And you'll say, I don't want to hear it. Did you go to them? I'm not going to be part of the problem too. I'm not going to allow you to sow discord here. You need to go to them. Perhaps the Lord would place someone on your heart that you know has something against you, someone you've wronged or injured. You need to go to them. You need to make things right. You need to take them by the hands. You need to look them in the eye and and get things worked out. Perhaps this morning the Lord is laying on your heart someone who's straight from the truth. You know, again, a true friend will risk reaching out to them and being misunderstood because of their love for the one who's wandering. And maybe God is putting on your heart, someone who's walking in error, someone who's on the wrong path, someone who's wandering away. You know, the heart of the good shepherd is to leave the 99 and go after the one. Lord, give us your heart for those people. You know, I pray that we will be a people that's not going to fall through the cracks here at Calvary Chapel, Truckee. You know, we're going to grow as a church. God is going to add to this body. Yeah, amen. But inevitably, when that happens, people fall through the cracks. You know, and I feel such a responsibility from the Lord, and I hope you do too, that we're not to let people fall through the cracks. Being reconciled, to one another, is of utmost importance. But the most important reconciliation that any of us can experience is what? Being reconciled to the Lord, right? Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you right with the Lord? You know what? This morning, I'd just like us to take a minute and just do some soul searching, right? Are you right with the Lord? Is your relationship with him where it's supposed to be? Or do some changes need to take place? If things aren't right with the Lord, you know, I pray God gives you the wisdom to make a change. Stop playing church this morning. You know, stop playing Christian. You know? If things aren't right with the Lord this morning, God give you the grace. May God give you the wisdom to turn from the direction you're headed in. You know what? And to save you from all the hurt and pain that is most certainly down that path. You know, God give you wisdom this morning. You know, no one is so far down a road, you know, that they can't turn back. You know, I saw a bumper sticker years ago that said, God allows U-turns. You know, make a U-turn this morning get going in the right direction get things right with the lord this morning only you can make that happen god wants to work in your life but he won't until you let him let him in your life this morning let him work in your life what he wants to work give him full reign in your life this morning let's pray Father God, I just want to thank you for your word. Lord, I'm so thankful that your heart is loving and compassionate and merciful and gracious. And we shouldn't hear the word this morning as you scolding us or coming down upon us. But Lord, just as loving correction, if that's what we need, We shouldn't hear the word this morning as we're failing in these areas, but encouragement to go forward and and just seek your heart for our brothers and sisters that we might love one another and just be in unity together in the faith. Lord, I just thank you for just the loving correction, the loving encouragement, and just your spirit moving us in the direction you want us to go, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.